0: Welcome to the Team Kids podcast with your host Sam Hope. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting podcast that we've uh, we've actually invited uh, Heidi Rogers back um, to our Team Kids podcast. Good to see you again, Heidi. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm well. Thanks. Good to be back. Thanks for having me.
0: Our absolute pleasure. Um, We uh, we had for those that don't know, we had Heidi um, on a podcast uh our first podcast and it was um very very well received by lots of families and even our staff and um i've circulated to friends and we've got got some amazing feedback on the insights that heidi was able to offer us um and we thought well let's get it back because when we did our first podcast it was kind of as we were entering this whole new um pandemic and um a ho- you know pa- families and parents and children were experiencing and our staff were experiencing all sorts of different um emotions and feelings and obviously things have moved along that timeline now and in, um it's we're coming out the other side kind of uh, at the moment so we thought it'd be great to have Heidi back and answer a few few questions and talk about her experience being a psychotherapist and having her own clients and just kind of discussing the different things that are, that she's noticing in the space and then obviously offering some advice to families during this time. Um, how have you been throughout this pro- this time, Heidi? How are you managing? <laughs>
1: yeah, it's, um. I mean, working from home is wild, you know, and having my two kids at home has been a bit intense at times. I had to get a lock on the door <laughs> so that I could lock it so they couldn't barge in when I was in the middle of sessions. Um, yeah, it's been, it's, it's been good, but it's... Um, I think one one of the things I've noticed a lot with myself and then with a lot of my clients is um, a different understanding around like our priorities and what really matters and what doesn't. And because mm-hmm. so many, like say of my dad clients that um, are around their kids more hearing really beautiful stories of like, I didn't realize how much I was missing out on. I didn't realize how much I liked doing pick up or drop off and just being a part of school routine stuff more. So, mm. um, and I felt that as well, like just, yeah, clocking more hours, you know, FaceTime with your kids. That is, um, we're not all used to. So that I think has been cool, but also obviously challenging, but for the most part, I think it's been cool.
0: Yeah. The silver lining, uh, I suppose of, of this is the, yeah, that increased family time increase, of, uh, I suppose, getting to know those people within your household on a new, completely unparalleled level that you wouldn't have yeah. had otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think there's certainly some really cool takeaways from that. Um, so, today we want to just kind of, I suppose, deep dive a little bit more or we'll cover a few different things. But um, maybe you want to just kind of give us a little bit of a summary of the things you want to cover today so people can mm-hmm. get a bit of an understanding from the outset what we'll be chatting about.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm kind of thinking what I wanted to cover today is what do parents need to kind of hear or know about now with this new normal? Yeah, we're kind of going back to, you know, old life, but it still feels different. It's not fully the same. I think a lot of parents have an expectation or um, maybe of themselves and also of their kids that things are going to go back to normal. And uh, so why is my kid still having tantrums or why – are they still having nightmares or why are they having this kind of aggressive, sassy attitude? Um, So I kind of want to explain a little bit of what's going on for kids. Like, Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of times we forget as parents that all behavior, well, as humans, that all behavior is communication. And so our kids will communicate to us through their behavior. And I've heard from a few parents, clients, that they're just – a little bit confused of, you know, well, we're back at school. You know, why is X happening or why are they doing or saying this? So, yeah, I thought I'd kind of go over that. And then some ways that you can build connection back in, right? So we had all of this real intense connected time together. And then now going back to our regular schedules, how do I connect with my kids um, the best in this time that we're not now seeing each other all the time? What's the best? So some of my favorite kind of connection tips and stuff. Um, And then maybe a little bit, if we have time or if you think it's helpful to talk a little bit about anxiety and how it manifests and what you can do to help your kids with that. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sounds good. Um, What do, what what do parents need to hear right now? Then let's jump straight into that. That sounds interesting.
1: Um, I think what parents need to hear the most right now is, Keep your seatbelt on. We're still the ride is still moving. It's not over yet. There's still a lot of weird stuff with you know masks and hand washing and weird stuff meaning the majority of our lives have not been spent living this way. You know isolation, um, distancing, cafes having you know seats spread out. Like there's still a lot of weird stuff going on for kids. I think in terms of what they see. So mm-hmm. I think reminding ourselves that, yeah, the kids are back at school, but it still is different. It still is not the same. You know, we're not going to their classrooms to pick them up. We're picking them up from outside the school gates and stuff. It's just all a bit bizarre, you know? So I think Mm -hmm. going into it then knowing that there are still feelings for the kids and for us that are anxious and it's weird and it's hard and it's not normal and that that brings up stuff for us. And so comparing ourselves to others is not helpful you know asking why is this still bothering me why do I still feel anxious why do I still feel out of control or helpless or powerless or why are my kids feeling all of those things it still makes sense and it's still normal and it's still appropriate to still be feeling overwhelmed by all of it you know
0: mm, mm. yeah uh, absolutely uh, I, and I think um, I was actually reading an article from The Age this morning um, and they were talking about, it was about um, decision fatigue mm-hmm. and how it's a real thing. And we've never been faced with so many decisions um, to make during this pro- during this time. And, and that's the actual thing that when, you know, the part of the brain that has to make decisions um, uses a lot of energy. And they were drawing on examples like... Um, Uh, Parole um, judges in the States, you know, they're far more likely um, in the morning to offer more favourable parole sentences and so forth in the morning um, or straight after a lunch break or something like that when when their decision making is less fatigued, whereas, um, you know, later on in the day they're fatigued and it and it's becomes frustrating. And we're going through that at the moment where, you know, all these parameters and changes have, have been forced upon us and and parents have been, you know, where you're making decisions. How far can I stand away from somebody? What am I lo- allowed to buy? What aren't I allowed to buy? Where, where am I allowed to go? Who am I allowed to visit? That's tiring. Um, and it's, it's, you can't rely on the automated thinking, that the normal kind of set of circumstances that we used to be able to do. So it's, Yeah. Mm -hmm. I suppose it's timely to remember that that's tiring and it's normal to feel tired. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people I'm talking to are saying they're waking up really tired every morning. It's harder to get up out of bed at the moment, um, which isn't surprising.
1: Yeah. And that is such a great point. And I've agreed. I've had probably 90% of my clients have been mentioning that in our sessions Mm -hmm. that they have Mm -hmm. felt exhausted and they don't understand why, you know, I'm getting 12 hours a night or my kids are sleeping through. I, I don't have an excuse to be so tired. And I'm like, mm. yeah, you do. Cause there's a pandemic going on and mm. I'll, I'll go a little bit maybe into the science behind that. So the amygdala, the part of the brain that's responsible for fight flight response and kind of um, protects us and keeps us safe. And then the cortex is the part of your brain that's talking that you're talking about with the decisions and, um, Taking care of us basically, logic, reasoning, um, consequence, forward planning, all that is the cortex. And right now, our amygdala is basically facing a predator like a tiger, but it can't see it because I don't know where the germs are. I don't know if that person is carrying it. I don't know if I'm safe right now. And so there's this constant feeling of, I think I'm unsafe, but I'm not sure, and I don't want to be dramatic. But I have to make sure I wash my hands. And did that person just cough? And are, do they have COVID? And there's so much extra work that your amygdala is doing to keep you safe. And again, can't see it. A tiger, at least I can see. But mm. in a global pandemic, you can't see it. So amygdala is working even harder to just, what was that? What was that? And, you know, safe, safe, safe. safe. I just say safe. And then you have on top of that your cortex, who's, yeah, exactly as you said, trying to make decisions making hundreds of decisions more now than you would be regularly. Um, And that's also a big part of why people are saying um, they find Zoom so draining, they'll say, like, I can have, you know, a lot of phone calls, or I can have a lot of face-to-face meetings, and I'm fine, but I've, I've, I'm noticing I'm having all these Zoom meetings, and I'm exhausted at the end of the day, and that's because your brain is working extra hard to read body language. Like, mm-hmm. right now, I I can tell your tone, your facial expression a little, because I can see you, right, on the mm-hmm. screen, but if we were in person, I would be picking up your energy. I'd be able to pick up, if you were fidgeting, I'd be able to pick up all sorts of other things that when you're on a screen you can't. And Mm. so the brain is taxing so much more of its resources and kind of capacity, which again contributes to the fatigue that a lot of us are feeling and lack of motivation—that's what a lot of people have been telling me too. Like, I'm just not motivated to exercise. I'm not motivated to clean. I'm not motivated to play with my kids. I'm not motivated mm-hmm. to do anything. And I'm like, Cook yes, dinner. preach, <laughs> yeah, make dinner, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, my Uber Eats account—I'm horrified. <laughs> Compare it to like this time last year. Oh, yep.
0: uh, same, yeah. So in terms of what parents need to hear, then it's that this is okay. This is normal to feel this way. Um, Anything else?
1: I think to sum it up, what parents need to hear right now is this is hard. You're doing your best. None of us have a script for this. None of us have ever done this before. So you doing your best is okay and that's Mm -hmm. enough. And please have compassion on yourself that this is hard what we're going through right now. Mm-hmm. The financial instability, so many people are losing their jobs, not sure if they're gonna lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. Kids are all out of sorts because their schedules are so different and so much you know, so much of their little worlds are are flipped upside down. So I would say the, the biggest thing parents need to hear right now is you need to have compassion on yourself and you need to have compassion on your kids. But also we're not out of the woods psychologically and emotionally with what is happening yes life is somewhat returning back to normal but that doesn't mean how you feel psychologically mentally is going to just shift because we're all still doing a lot of zoom meetings we're all still social distancing we're still isolated so a lot of the same stuff is going to still be there feeling anxious for quote-unquote no reason um, easily irritable stressed no motivation Um, And then if, you know, if all those things are happening within you, they're happening within your kids. So if your kids are being more angry, snapping, fighting between kids, um, aggressive, or just anxious, having a hard time falling asleep, staying asleep, all of that is just normal. And in some ways I'm like, I know that doesn't help because it's like, well, great, but, you know, what do I do? And we can get into, you know, what are some things you can do? But basically it's just sort of like, Hug yourself, pat yourself on the back. You've gotten through months of this stuff now. It's we're we're coming out the other side, but it's still like kind of keep your seatbelt on. We still got a ways to go, I think. Yeah, cut
0: yourself some slack, and and and, <laughs> and and your children to a degree, and your partners too. You know that we're all going through this together, and mm-hmm. um, you know they're going through it as well as. Um, you know, yeah, it's tough. You mentioned just there too, Heidi, just, um, you know, strategies that we... So if we're feeling this way, how do we create that calm in, in, in this, you know, new set of normal, you know, suppose a new normal situation? What kind of things can you recommend about how we can stay calm and be the best we can for those around us?
1: I think the reason why I always go back to compassion is because... If you have compassion on yourself or the other person or the situation, it takes a lot of this, the like the fire out of it. Because mm-hmm. if you think about like, if you're in the car, like it takes the suffering out of it. So let's say you're driving in the car and you realize that there's an accident up ahead and you're stuck in traffic and then you go, oh gosh, I'm going to be late for this meeting. You could focus and obsess on the fact that I'm going to be late for this meeting and you could focus and obsess on the fact that this driver was stupid for getting in the accident or how, what an idiot, whatever. That just adds to your suffering. The situation is already painful. But if you then take your thoughts to this place of, ah, oh, that driver and, oh, I'm mad at myself. I should have left earlier. And you just stay in this place of like rage at them and yourself and you're blaming them and blaming me and blaming everything. It's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's already hard. When you add all of this mental kind of crap to it, you just make it even harder. It's like the pain Mm. is inevitable. The suffering is optional. So that Mm. is a, a choice you have to make then while we're doing this. So I can either sit in blaming the government, blaming my business, blaming my boss, blaming my partner, blaming my kids or blaming myself for how I'm feeling or how they're feeling. You can do all of that but you're just making it harder for yourself. You're just making it suffering and it doesn't need to be suffering. It's already painful. You don't need to add the suffering component to it. So, and that's why I always go back to compassion because if you have compassion on, they were, you know, not paying attention. I've had times where I've been driving and not paying attention, Um, giving compassion to them and then giving compassion to yourself of just kind of going, okay, so this is how I feel. This is how I feel. And just letting like, just, Having the this, this space to just sort of open up and go, this is how I'm feeling. And if I beat myself up for how I'm feeling, does that change how you feel? Like, no. But if you give yourself that like compassion and go, okay, so I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling powerless, helpless, whatever it is, just like breathing. And I do this because I often do this with clients where you just put your hand on your heart and you just kind of breathe compassion into yourself and just sort of feeling like your hand giving, like pumping compassion kind of into you and just going, yeah, this is how I'm feeling and it's hard. And that's it.
0: I saw, uh, I heard the, the most incredible example of compassion yesterday. Yeah. Um, the terrible incident that happened um, where a young man was, his life was taken yesterday and the parents who's of the boy Who's a fifteen-year-old whose life was taken? This is a bit morbid. I'm sorry, but um, mm. the compassion the parents showed it makes me a bit emotional um, mm. towards the to the, the 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 families who were the perpetrators. Mm. Um, that they, you know, they they showed so much compassion for the fact that these families have got have got to go through what they've got to go through now. Not only you know they've just lost their fifteen-year-old son, and and but what they chose to talk about was how much. They want to love those families too. And I just was like, wow, you know, you talk about compassion, and, um, you know, that, that I just couldn't believe that they chose to talk about that above anything else, um, you know, trying to, you know, share the, um, their, their level of understanding of what, what how yeah. this might be affecting others rather than how it's affecting themselves.
1: Yes. And that's such a great example of what we can do in the face of adversity challenge and hardship, right? So they, Mm -hmm. that's such a great example. They had a really clear choice, didn't they? They -hmm. could take that experience of losing their son and they could take it as everything that happens is here to hurt me, everything out there is here to hold me back, or they -hmm. could take it as everything out here that happens to us can help us and bring us forward and Mm -hmm. not hold us back. And they chose to sit on that side of the fence by going, Mm -hmm. How can we take this into a, not necessarily making it into a positive, because I don't think you can make death into a positive, but choosing to see the meaning or the positive things I can extract from it. Mm -hmm. And then that's what I'm going to push out to the world. So this, I get dealt these cards that suck and are horrendous, but then, then what do I do with it? And that family has done that. They've gone, and that's where I think, compassion is such a great kind of go-to or it's always my go-to whenever anything hard happens is because it keeps you in a place of love rather than in a place of fear. And I think that those are our kind of two choices of how we respond to things that happen to us. We either respond mm-hmm. through love or we respond through fear and a fear-based response often ends up with more pain and suffering and a love-based response often ends up with more connection, vulnerability, healing, um, connection and yeah
0: mm, it's a hard thing to to, to do in the moment sometimes when you're faced with adversity and and to make that split decision and it's you know it is uh i think that's hard for for, for people to um try, retrain the brain almost retrain the pathways of of the those split second decisions to respond from a place of love than than fear and yes. i think that's easier said than done sometimes
1: (laughs) but i think Um, it's practice i I think i also think it's timing i don't think like with this family that just lost their child if i saw them for a session i would not be talking about any of this crap i would be Mm -hmm. talking about being present to the pain and sitting in that space of Mm -hmm. unbelievable suffering Mm -hmm. and just bearing witness to their pain and there's nothing you can say and there's nothing you can do and there's nothing that quote unquote fixes it. It's just sitting alongside someone in that pain and not trying to fix it. And just, I see you, I hear you, and this is hard, but I'm with you. Mm, mm, mm. Kind of focusing on that. And then I think in time families that I've worked with that have had tragedies in time, you can get to a place where you are curious and looking for the meaning and how can I make this positive and how can I learn something? How can this, how can this experience teach me something? What can I, how can I grow from this situation? But that Mm -hmm. comes in time and that there's no timeline for it. It's not a six months, six years, 10 years kind of thing. It's in your own time. And that's what I say to clients. You know, if they say I'm still obsessing about this and this quote unquote still bothers me, this shouldn't still bother me, whatever the adversity, whatever the, the pain point is, and I always say, like, where did you get the timeline? Where, who told you that this mm. is supposed to only bother you for this amount of time and now you're supposed to be over it? Like, it doesn't work like that, man. Like, it's your, and then back to compassion. It's your own timeline and what works for you. And what I often find is when you breathe compassion into it and you give yourself permission to feel how you feel, that's often when it dissipates. That's often when it passes, you know, so people say like, I don't want to feel like this. I hate that I'm feeling like this and this just rejection, rejection, rejection to how I feel. When you start practicing being, I don't want to say acceptance because I hate the word acceptance. I I prefer saying flexible to change. When you start becoming more flexible to change rather than accepting everything that happens, but being flexible to change you start getting in just the habit and it's a practice and you just get better and better and better at it with all the little things that happen. So you stuck in traffic. I'm flexible to change. I'm flexible to change. You know, they get my order wrong at the cafe. The meeting doesn't happen, whatever. I'm flexible to change. I'm flexible to change. And then whatever feelings come up, I give those feelings compassion. This is how I feel. And then it passes. Whereas when you resist it, you just make it harder, you know?
0: Mm. Yeah, and I suppose we're kind of going on to the next topic, which I was interested in. So, so now what? And what are some, for parents, what are some kind of life keys? You've spoken t- about, you know, um, being compassionate and being accepting accepting change. Mm-hmm. What else can parents be kind of thinking through or considering through throughout this time?
1: Mm-hmm. I think whenever we come into a period of adversity or challenge or where we're feeling drained or like we have less capacity, we have to go back to connection and prioritizing connection. So not prioritizing grades and academics, not prioritizing cleaning your room and doing your chores, but prioritizing like this, you know, eyeball to eyeball, seeing each other, spending time together. Even if we're just sitting next to each other, watching a movie and we're not talking, we're still connected. Or, talking and, and cooking together, or playing games together, or whatever, but just connecting is so important. And I think what a lot of us get wrong as parents is, one, we pick the wrong time to connect and we have our own little agenda of when we think, I call it the like Steven Spielberg effect where it <clears throat> You get in your head that you're a director and you're, you're shooting this movie and you have this whole idea of I'm going to pick you up from school and you're going to hop in the car and I'm going to say, how was your day, sweetheart? And you're going to say all of the things that happened that were negative, all of the things that happened that were positive, how you're feeling in your heart and, you know, the psychological stressors of the day. But no, what happens is we pick up our kids and you say, how was your day? And they go, fine. And then you dig and dig and interrogate and then they get cranky and then you get cranky that they're cranky and you feel shut out and, you know, spirals sort of down. So I think with connection, we have to remember we're not Steven Spielberg. This is not a movie. And our little timelines that we have, and this I think goes for anyone, if you have kids or not, like um, for any of us, how we think it's going to go is often not how it goes. And we have to be, again, flexible with change that I have this agenda and I have this idea in my head of how I want pickups to go or when we're going to have a a deep and meaningful chat, you know, and, you know, we could sit down to dinner and I have in my mind that we're going to talk about our next podcast and we're going to talk about what, you know, this is what we're planning and these great things. And you're thinking about, wow the footy's back and I wonder what's happening with my team this weekend and you're in that state of mind right Mm -hmm. and I'm saying you know Sam but but you know we said we were going to catch up for dinner to talk about these things and I have this whole agenda in my mind of what I wanted to talk about and what I think we should talk about and you're in your whole other world and Mm. that happens I think so often in relationship and it's such a barrier to connection does that make sense
0: yeah, totally. I'm already thinking about the game on the weekend and who's playing. Who, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> who do you bear, it for? Who do you bear it for again?
0: Oh, I don't want to talk about. It. No, it was, um, uh, yeah, we're going off topic, but Hawthorne. Uh, I go for oh, Hawthorne. yeah, okay. uh, cool. yeah, we we lost pretty bad on the weekend. But anyway, that's another. Yeah, I'm story.
1: Carlton, so I'm with you on that.
0: <laughs> um. Cool. Anything else in the, you know, so yeah, connection, spending that quality time, not, not expecting to go necessarily to script those mm-hmm. conversations or those connections. Yeah,
1: Maybe the best, the best time. Yeah, get it when you can. The best time, I would say, so parents will often go, okay, so what you're saying is, you know, when they get in the car or before school, if those aren't the best times for connection, when is the best time for connection? And the biggest thing I would say is it's usually not convenient is when kids wanna talk to you. So if you can try to be available mentally, emotionally, um, physically, even if you don't feel like it, try to make it look like you are available. You know, like if you're getting ready to go out for dinner and your kid comes in the bathroom while you're getting ready and says, you know, hey, can I talk to you for a second? And in your mind, you're like, no, because I'm running late and I need to get ready. If they are coming to you or just like they come and, you know, sit down on the couch next to you or sit down on the bed and you get a sense that they're kind of, I don't know, loitering and kind of hanging around, then Mm. that's usually an indication that they have something they want to talk about. So if you can try to be sort of switched on for that and then try to stop what you're doing, text your friend and say, I'm going to be late and just just try to see. But definitely for most kids, the best connection hour is um, bedtime. And it's hard because most parents are done. Mm-hmm. I know I am, man.
0: That decision fatigue. <laughs>
1: exactly. Decision fatigue and also compassion fatigue. That's also mm-hmm. another fatigue term where we do get compassion fatigue, especially if you think about friends who have a lot of drama or a lot of stuff going on. You know, you get to a point where you're like, I can't hear her talk about this one more time. I can't hear you know, them complain about this again. They're just not doing anything about it or whatever. Compassion fatigue is real. And Mm we definitely can feel that with our kids if they're complaining about something again and again. So if you can be available in the evening, that's the dream time for a lot of kids. Sometimes for some kids, it's first thing in the morning. It has Mm -hmm. to do with... um, the hour, I forget the word, but it's basically the hours right before sleep and right after sleep because the body is getting ready for a very vulnerable state, right? Sleep is the most vulnerable state your body can be in as a primal being Mm because I'm most susceptible to predators because I'm offline, right? So, right before sleep, we're very vulnerable and right when we wake up, we're very vulnerable. So, if we can be available and be present and like, you know, um, excited to spend time with our kids and and deeply connect with them around bedtime or waking up, then that makes it even more likely that they'll open up and share with us. But the irony of the whole thing is that's the last time of day you want to connect with your kids because you are tired. You've been working all day, you've been dealing with them and their siblings all day, and you're just looking at your watch going, dude, it's six o'clock shut up and get into bed <laughs> and it's 8 o'clock, I want to watch my show, I want to have my glass of wine, I just want to clock off, man, like, and I've said mm. that verbatim to my kids, I just want to clock off, man, can you just go to
0: sleep? me some slack.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's hard, but if you, so what I'd say to parents is, if you can have dinner at five or have dinner when the kids have dinner, if you can say to them, you know, I just have to check a couple of emails or respond to a couple of emails and then I can be like, so do what you need to do to be as fully present at, you know, if your kids go to bed at seven, so that's like say six, 6.30 onwards. If they go to bed at eight, that's seven, 7.30 onwards. Being the most present that you can be for them so that if they want to open up and talk to you. You can. You're not stressing about the email you have to get back to or that you're hungry or that whatever, you know, and that's, I know, I hear myself and I know how hard that is, but if you can really block out that time to be present, that's when you're going to get the juice, man. That's when you're going to get the good stuff from your kids is right before bed. Mm. And also the older kids get, the later that gets. So teenagers, they're not going to open up about their heart and how they're feeling at 4 p.m. or 6 p.m. That's going to be like 10, 11, 12 midnight, you know, that teenagers will open up and tell you. And a lot of parents say, like, I can't stay up past 10, man. And I'm like, you got to try. You got to try because that's when it's on their clock, you know. Like it doesn't matter that you want to talk at 8 p.m. That's not how how teenagers roll, man. They're Mm. way more open to share their heart later at night
0: just don't fall asleep on them. You know, You, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be there for you, but I keep falling asleep. It's <laughs> 10 PM. I was in bed normally <laughs> an hour. Yeah. The things, the things, uh, the things parents do, huh? And the sacrifices <laughs> it's just yeah, never ending. So in terms of, you know, you're talking about, I suppose, trying to be a little bit disciplined with, with setting that time apart. And, you know, again, it's about sacrificing a bit of your time and perhaps, um, making that space available to have that connection. you talk about new foundations or mm-hmm. new, new things. Is there anything else? Um, I know that was something else you mentioned earlier is, you know, creating new foundations. Um, mm-hmm. do you want to expand a little bit more on that or.
1: Yeah. So, so just, I want to say one more thing about connection too. sometimes with some kids, especially, um, Teenagers or some kids who maybe don't like to talk about their feelings or sometimes boys, I find this with a lot of my clients, they open up more when they're doing something and we're not Mm. just sort of staring at each other. So if that's sport or cooking or in the car, that's probably one of my favorite tips for parents is having chats in the car saying, do you want to just go for a drive and then pick an ice cream shop that's like, you know, 30 minutes away so we have a nice chunk of time in the car to talk and that often is a, a less confronting you know, going for a walk. You know, it's a less confronting way for us to have a deep, connected conversation. You know,
0: I love that mm. choosing a, a a desirable place to go. That's a good distance. It'll just create that that time and that space. Um, and going back about, but going back to the sitting opposite and kind of uh, opposite. Of, particularly with with boys, I remember when um, when I when I'm teaching or when I was teaching, um, I'd often just take. Um, take them for a walk around the oval and that sense of, it's almost like a pack you kind of, we're working yes. together here and that and that the, the movement um, and that you're not facing each other just going for a walk side by side, in it together let's just step by step you know, talk this out or, or create that space was really really powerful or even go for, I used to run around the, the oval sometimes with them um, if they were really energetic or they were worked up mm-hmm. um, and just boom, changed, changed the dynamic. Yeah, and burn
1: the energy, burn the energy off by discharging yeah. some of that adrenaline and cortisol by running or walking yeah. Or, or yeah, getting it out rather than bottling it up. And mm. I think too, another favorite I have would probably be texting text conversations. I have a lot of parents that say, obviously depending on the age of your kids, but um, yeah. text conversations can be key in getting your child to open up. Um, and or or having difficult conversations you know that can be much less confronting and they feel like they have less pressure on them to respond straight away and you also have more time to be thoughtful To respond rather than react, which is what we Mm -hmm. do a lot when we're with kids, is we react because they push our buttons. So learning how to just respond. And when you're writing back and forth, you have time. You have that little bit of space that you can think a bit more about what you want to say or how you want to phrase it. So that's another great way to connect with kids. And it sounds weird because it's like, let's just have a conversation face to face. And again, that goes back to being a bit Spielberg that. Okay, that might work for you, but with their brain, it's not fully developed yet. You know, the part of the brain, the cortex that we talked about, which is rational thinking, logic, planning, understanding consequence, forward planning stuff, that's not fully developed till they're 26. So there's that's why they're so emotional because the. I
0: still, I don't think mine's fully developed, but anyway, yeah. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I hear that from a lot of people. <laughs> When's my cortex gonna <laughs> fully get there? But the amygdala and the limbic system is like the emotional part of the brain, which is why kids are so emotional mm. and um, and just so like up and down and you know moody and stuff like that and or easily agitated, literally their brain is not fully developed. They don't know Mm -hmm. how. So Mm -hmm. when parents, when I overhear parents, like, I don't know, at the supermarket or something saying, you need to calm down. Or as soon as you calm down, then you can have the toy. I'm just like, you're asking them something literally that's impossible for them. Because that that ability to soothe and regulate isn't there yet. Or even the term like people use with babies, they need to learn how to self-soothe. It's like, Dude, the part of the brain isn't there yet that can do that. Mm-hmm. That's what we're supposed to do as their parents is co-regulate and regulate for them and soothe with them rather than mm-hmm. making them do it on their own. But so with the foundations thing, um, I love doing family meetings. And I love family meetings because it kind of encompasses a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about, like connection and... Um, making them feel seen and making them feel heard, but it has a structure to it. And then it also has um, the element of like tradition and routine so that it's always in their week and always in their minds that it's happening. Mm -hmm. So the acronym that I like to use um, that I because the concept of family meetings and like family agendas is not mine and it's not a new thing, but it's um, one of the favorites, like of a lot of positive psychologists and a lot of like the positive parenting kind of um, methodology family meetings is one of the like the main tenants of it. But the acronym that I like, cause it helps me remember it is family. And so mm-hmm. the first one, so basically we have a set time and I think too, we have to clarify When you and I think about having a family meeting, we probably think about what a family meeting was when we were growing up, which was lame and full of someone's in trouble. And it's basically just like a criticized fest of 30 minutes where you just sort of sit there while you get yelled at or whatever. An intervention. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's an Mm -hmm. intervention and pulling someone up on whatever. So that is not what I'm talking about. So we have to reframe. What when I say family meeting, it's not what we grew up with. It's a different way, and there's there's an agenda to it. There's a method to it. So f, the first letter for a family acronym, so F is for flattery, which is compliments and appreciation. So we start the meeting with, Everyone sharing and depending on your age, you know, you might have a 15 year old who's just sitting there hating life and doesn't want to participate and that's okay. But everyone else, you know, the adults can offer the things I appreciated that you guys did this week. That was awesome or compliments on uh, you helped with this. Thanks for taking your, you know, walking your little sister to school or whatever. Um, So compliments and appreciation. A is agenda this week. So we go through kind of the family calendar, of what's happening, that often helps, especially anxious kids, if they know what, oh, Thursday is swimming, mm-hmm. Friday is um, pizza at school or whatever, having a sense of I know what's coming for the week, having a visual calendar so they can see what's happening in the week, and, you know, dad's going to pick you up this day, grandma's coming on this day, and then you're doing teen kids after school on Wednesday or whatever, mm-hmm. so that they know um, what, just what's coming, and the mm-hmm big part of this and this is why I love family meetings is a huge part of what you're explaining to them is that you have choice and you have autonomy over your life and by doing that by communicating to you you have choice over what we do because you might then go in that family meeting mom I don't want grandma to pick me up Thursday because it's embarrassing Mm -hmm. because everyone else has their dads pick them up or whatever that's what I would rather dad picked me up okay thanks for communicating that I didn't realize that that was embarrassing for you by giving them choice, you're communicating to them, you are enough. Your your opinion matters at whatever age, mm. and you're lovable, and you have a right. You have worth. You have value to say what you want and need. You know.
0: Mm. So you do you do. The, I don't know. There's a few more to go. So, but you do one of these a week, do you? Every,
1: yeah. Every Sunday. And my, that- kids, and my kids are four and six, and we it's it's modified obviously, but yeah. um. They get it and they do it and they love it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love that. that. That you know, when you first set off oh, family meeting, uh, you know, probably a lot of listeners as well are going, Oh yeah, <laughs> th- if this is this is gonna work. But I actually, I actually and it sounds kinda like quite regimented off. You've got you know meeting on a Sunday, it sounds kinda almost business like. But I love exactly what you just said that it actually it and I put myself into the child's shoes as I was thinking through it. And as a child, I would really like that because it does give me um it it paints a clear picture of what's happening that week it it, it gives a sense of unity that we're in and you know this is a family and we make these decisions have these conversations ourselves and yeah it gives me a a voice as as to what I might want to do and I feel valued Mm -hmm. um that I'm being you know thought of and uh that things are being laid out for me and then I've got a choice like you say yeah so anyway yes uh, yeah exactly because it's, you know, and
1: when you say it sounds like business, exactly. And that's kind of the point. You know, if you think about <clears throat> how you run your business, you guys have whips, right? Work, work in progress. You, have, you mm-hmm. have meetings where you discuss about what is happening, what's on the go, this project, that project. You bring all the different teams together. You have people, you know, you have your staff that are in the schools and working with kids. They come in. Then you have marketing. Then, like, you have all the, the parts, right? Mm -hmm. We don't run our families that way though. Why? It doesn't make sense. You know, like the way that we run our families tends to be more like a dictatorship where the parents sit up here, the kids sit down here. They're never really consulted. They're never really asked. They're just told this is what's happening. And then we wonder why they kick up a fuss sometimes or why we have power struggles. It's like, well, of course, because they're never given any power, but they're human beings. They Of course they want power. Everyone wants power. From when you're six months old, you want to have power. You change a nappy of a baby and they squirm off the table. Why? Because they can. They want to. Everyone wants to have power. Everyone wants to have a feeling that I am in control of my body. I'm in control of my life. I don't want to wear that. It's my body. It's my life, right? So having a meeting, as, as simple as it seems, is a powerful way that you can communicate to your kids, you are enough. Your opinion is valuable. You are lovable. You have worth and value in this family. I care what you think.
0: And if they've got some choice and some power, as you put it, in that context, they're going to seek that less in other environments. Exactly. You know, we don't want children, we don't want to be raising bullies or people who are trying to seek that power play in the playground or anything. So and you would see have seen that when
1: you were a teacher, where you know those students that are just constantly you're getting into power struggles with, mm-hmm. you know that if you gave them a job, you know, can you? Manage, oh my god! Yeah, like that's all you had to do. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you give them a job. You're responsible for the art cupboard. You're responsible yeah. for the windows or whatever. And then boom! I got my power cup filled up. I feel like ah, I'm enough. I'm lovable. I'm okay then. And then I won't go seeking the power from other places. Yeah. 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 So A is agenda this week, the calendar. M is matters to decide. So like decisions to be made. And that could be anything. That could be, we're doing a renovation and we were thinking of not putting a bathtub in this bathroom. What do you guys think? You might not fully care. (laughs) You might not honor what they say, but the point is, we have to make a decision. What do you guys think? And just, mm-hmm. I'm taking, you know, like as a boss, you have meetings, I'm sure sometimes with people where you're like, I already know what I'm going to do. I already know the decision I'm going to make. Mm-hmm. But you have a meeting because you respect your staff and you want to hear what they have to say. Like, yeah. that's, and that's what good bosses do. Because sometimes someone might say something and you go, oh, wow. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Huh. Yeah, yeah okay, we should do that, right? Yeah. And so, and that's what you do with the the same thing with the matters to decide. So, and whatever it is, we're thinking of going on a family holiday to, to NUSA. What do you guys think about that? And they might go, no, I have a book report on Tassie coming up. I'd rather go to Tasmania. Okay. Let's talk about that. Like, Mm. again, it's just communicating your opinion matters to me. This is not a dictatorship. This is a democracy. We all have an opinion. What do you want? What matters to you? Like the other day I said um, to my four-year-old, um, you know, if we have some, we have free time on the weekend, we have nothing, I mean, it's been months of that, we have nothing on, what would you like to do? Like, what's your favorite thing to do? And I thought because parks have opened up and, you know, cafes and some things have opened up, I thought she was going to say that she wanted to go out. And I said, what's your favorite thing to do as a family? All of us, if we do something, what do you want to do? And she goes, the movies. And I said, oh, cool, you want to go to the movies. Well, the movies aren't open yet. And she goes, no, at home. And I said, oh, you want us to all watch a movie together? And she said, yeah. And I said, where would we sit? Like, I, And I got, again, an elaborate, like, oh, does she want to do it like a movie theater type of thing, you know, and, and get all into it? And she was like, no, I just like sitting on the couch. And I was like, oh, like, <laughs> basic, like, this is so yeah. doable and cheap, you know? And then I said, yeah. what about dinner? What would you like to have for dinner when we do that? And she said, "Um." it doesn't matter. And we can just eat on the couch. And I was like, wow, I totally misjudged that. Cause I would have thought she would have said the zoo or the farm or, mm-hmm. you know, going and like spending lots of money and doing things. And it was just, no, I want to watch a movie on the couch. Like that's her favorite thing. So again, matters to decide if you have a thing, if we're going to go away this weekend, or, you know, we don't have, cricket or footy practice this weekend, what do you guys want to do? Put it to them rather than going, I think we should, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm. Unless you really want to go and see a movie. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: And then the next one is um, eye for issues and problems. And so this is where some parents can get stuck, where it turns into a lecturing, um, annoying aspect. But usually because you've preceded this point, with giving them opportunity for choice, giving them opportunity to communicate what they need, what they want, they're feeling valued, they're feeling heard. So then they're more open to having kind of a discussion around, hey, you know, you said you were gonna be home by four. And then when you weren't home by 4.15, I started to get worried. Um, and then I called you, and you didn't answer your phone, and that just really concerns me when that happens. I need you to send me a text or something so I know where you're at, or do you know what I mean? So you can have these kind of problems that are discussed, not in the moment when emotions are high. We can discuss it to kind of go, what was going on for you? You know, why was that happening, or what, you know, you kind of, you know that you're supposed to swing by your sister's classroom and pick her up. Why, why didn't you, what happened there? And we can kind of get curious rather than, you know, Mm -hmm. mad and you did this wrong and whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the I is for issues and problems. Um, L is for learn. So that's like a teachable moment where you can teach them something. So this, some parents do lasagna and I teach you how to make a lasagna or Some parents do uh, questions that you will put questions into a, like a hat and so they're anonymous and then you can answer them. So they, the kid could write something like um, uh, say a boy put his hand on my leg the other day and I didn't like it, but I didn't know what to say.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. There's a beautiful teachable moment where I can tell you what you do in that situation. Or, What's another one I've heard? I didn't get invited to a party and it makes me sad and I don't know how to tell my friend. I don't understand why I wasn't invited. Teachable moment. So it can be anything from how to make a lasagna to deep, you know, mental stuff. And then it could also be, um, again, depending on the age, when you go to a friend's house for dinner and they make something you don't like, They're the, you know, the parent makes something you don't like, <laughs> what do you do? How do you handle that situation? How do you politely say, no, thank you, or I don't like green beans, or, you know, just...
0: I'm (laughs) allergic to that.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's (laughs) the go-to. What? How do you handle that? Or if you Mm. are at your friend's house and they invite you for dinner and you don't want to and you want to go home, what? how can we communicate that to each other? Mm. Um, Do we have a secret code? You know, like I had actually with my mom growing up, with my parents, I would say, If I was calling on the phone to say, can I stay for dinner, and I didn't want to, I would say, and there's, you know, my friend standing right there, I would say, um, are we having chicken for dinner? And that meant, pick me up, please. Because (laughs) I don't want to be here anymore. But I feel Uh, awkward to say that in front of my friend. I don't want to hurt uh, their feelings. So, my mom would always go, Oh, yes, we are. I will be that you need to come home. And then I'd go, like, Oh, I got to go home. My mom said I can't stay. And that- <laughs> so, you can come up with stuff like that. And same thing with texting, you know, for older kids, I have a secret text that's like, um, You know, do I have soccer practice tomorrow? And if I get that, that means I go into you have to come home right now. I'm being, you know, a mean mom. I'm going to say, I'm going to pick you up right now, wherever you are. And that's just, when you ask me about soccer practice, that's our code that I know I come and get you right now. Mm. Um, you're over it or you're having a fight with your friend or whatever. So, mm. um, yeah, so that's eyes for issues, problems where we can, Oh, sorry. I'll learn teachable moments. Yeah. So that's what we're talking about what I can, you know, uh, a learning that I can give you a skill. Like I kind of think of it as skill building, that's what the L is. I'm, I'm teaching you how to build some life skills. Um, yeah. And then again, the older, you know, you could be teaching them how to do a, a resume, how to do a job interview, how to ask someone out on a date. I mean, you could, you could do a whole bunch of things and it depends, I guess, on your comfortability, how to, you know, f- sport, how to kick the footy, how to throw the ball, mm. you know, I don't know. You could do a whole bunch of things. And then Y is for yes, which is fun basically. And that is you want to have a snack component, a meal component, because the brain often associates nourishment and meals and food with safety and love and um, connection and nurturing. So you can often nurture your kids through food um, Mm. because it, again, calms the amygdala that you don't eat when you're running from a tiger, right? So if you're eating and that's a a connecting kind of activity to make your body, your nervous system feel safe. So snack of some sort, and then fun. So we play Monopoly, we play charades, we play some sort of game together as a family. It's bonding, it's connecting, we laugh. I think a lot of families, we forget to laugh together. We are so focused on like getting to where we have to be and activities and homework and stuff that we just forget to laugh. And so doing games like charades or... Um, I, I think I always say too. Try to find a game that has the least amount of suffering. So if you find that Monopoly is a suffering game for your family, don't play Monopoly. <laughs> you know, play something else like Pictionary. Yeah. It's a bit more fun, and you might have yeah. to try a few games to find out what that is. But if you if you, you're constantly having your kids ending up in tears, then maybe we don't play that. Maybe we do something else. You know. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah puzzles.
0: So I did a puzzle on Sunday um, yeah. for about, for about an hour, and it was. It was great. It was a good, good family time.
1: Yeah, um, exactly. No competition. No, nope. yeah, no competitiveness. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, wasn't overly, uh, you know, wasn't really stressing the brain out, and allowed for good conversation. And yeah, it was good. It was good fun. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great one. Do you do you have that? Um, do you have any kind of like a visual of that acronym at all, Heidi? Like um, that you use to give families as. Or it'd be great just to be able to provide like a resource or something Um, with just that acronym of family written down and and, and just so that we can provide something to the listeners. Um,
1: Definitely. Let's do that. And then the other thing is you want to, again, have an open discussion about when, you know, and chat with everyone in the family together. When do we want to have our family meetings? Sunday nights, Saturdays, Mm. Friday Mm. nights, you know? And then, you know, one person might go, no, I'm really tired at the end of the week. I'd rather do it Sundays or Saturday Mm -hmm. nights, you know, or whatever. And then we write on, maybe we do that. We make a a page for families that then we write the time and the date, you know, and our family name. And then we write our little agenda.
0: Yeah, cool. I like it. I like it a lot.
1: Mm.
0: What about... um? kind of final messages in terms of it, what? what's your kind of final message for people at this time um, in terms of, is it going to be okay, Heidi? Is everything going to be okay?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it will. I think that, and you're right, that is a very common question. I've been getting a lot from people and have been definitely doing a lot of reassurance for clients as individuals, as adults and as parents and as my kid clients as well. It's going to be okay. And the reason why I know it's going to be okay is all you got to do is look back on your life. And every single one of us can see at least one experience that we thought when we started, I'm not going to get through this. This is so hard. Mm. And we've got through it. Mm. We've all survived 100% of our days. And so if we know that I, my track record is pretty good. I've survived 100% of my days. So if I know that I've gotten to this point now, why would I stop now? Why is my brain, my body, my capacity, it's not going to stop now. It might be hard, but I can do it. And I know that because every single one of us can look back at some point in our lives where we had adversity or challenge or the fear, I'm not going to get through this. And we did. And that's what you hold on to. And that's what kind of guides you is... Mm -hmm. I know I can do this because I've done it before and I also know I can do it because we're all in this together and there is something so reassuring, I think, in that we're all in this together. I mean, I talked to my parents in LA and they're in the same boat as us. They're in a worse Mm -hmm. boat than us because it's so bad over there. I talked to my friends in New Zealand. I talked to my friends in Queensland. Like we're all in the same boat right now. Mm -hmm. And that I think is so powerful to just remember kind of the global experience and that we're not alone in this and this is this i mean things like this have happened throughout the course of history for hundreds of years there have been massive um, challenges that different generations have faced and this is one of the challenges of our generation and we can do it yeah we can do it because we always uh, have
0: yeah i I couldn't agree i couldn't agree more and uh, you know we're already starting to see that shift as we've uh, noticed you know with Um, school obviously starting to all back now um, and uh, I think people going back to work we've actually just moved into a new office here at team kids and it's just you can already still be already start to feel the energy really shifting and um, you know there's a lot of positive things happening and if and if you're not coping and you and you need a place to to put your children during the school holidays it's still free so people (laughs) should It should and can still be taking advantage. And uh, before and after school care, the government's been fantastic in supporting our sector, at least. Um, so if if it is getting a little much and a little bit too much, and you do need a little bit of a break, um, we're here for you at Ten Kids to um to uh, offer you some assistance throughout these um these cooler cooler period uh school holiday periods. So um, we've got a lot of fun activities organised. Mm-hmm. Any any last comments from you, Heidi, before we wrap up?
1: Um. I think that's a great point that parents need to fill their own cup and sometimes Mm -hmm. filling our cup and, and expanding our capacity means farming our kids out (laughs) and sending them elsewhere because getting a break is vital and um, refilling our cup is huge. And I've also um, have a parenting program that I've started that is starts in July Um, and I'll have intake after that, but it opens in July and that's a really supportive community, Facebook community. We have, um, group coaching calls twice a week, three to six videos every week, um, for nine weeks is like the intense period of nine weeks. And then after that, it's the Facebook group and the coaching calls for about a year. Mm
0: -hmm. So it's a
1: very intensive, um, just supportive, uh, community led by me and, because kind of that whole thing has kind of come out of COVID and quarantine and realizing how much support parents need and they need like consistent support and like, you know, having an after school program and knowing, okay, Tuesday, Thursday, I have that little break, you know, where the kids are, are teen kids or whatever, and that fills mm-hmm. their cup. And then with this program, what I'm kind of thinking is that you then ha- know that you have that space where I can connect with Heidi or get questions answered or I can just have that support or the support of other parents in the Facebook community knowing that I'm not alone. So that's something that is, um, I wanted to offer to teen kids' families as well that if they want to learn more about that or if they want more support during this time, if they just go to um, au, there's more information about that on there. So. Yeah,
0: wonderful. Excellent. Um, and if you haven't already realised, Heidi is an absolute superstar when it comes to this, uh, this sort of stuff. So um, tell your friends and, and check out, yeah, au. And, um, yeah, thank you again so much, Heidi. I love, love sitting and listening and learning all of the different ways to be kinder to ourselves and, mm-hmm. I suppose, manage these interesting times. And, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure lots of families will have got a, a lot of golden nuggets out of the conversation that we've had again today so really appreciate your time
1: yeah my pleasure I'm, It's am such a privilege to to share this stuff with your audience
0: awesome all right thanks everyone thanks for tuning in we'll be back with a, another episode in the not too distant future in the meantime enjoy the winter time guys
1: <laughs> thanks sam
0: <laughs> thanks Heidi. see you thanks for listening to the team kids podcast See you next time.